0: Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Other times you need a deeper understanding of what's going on. The Rundown podcast has all of that and it's Chicago based. So you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. All eyes were on Washington Wednesday as thousands of pro-Trump extremists stormed the U.S. Capitol. Meanwhile, that same day was the deadliest during the pandemic until that point. 3,915 people died in a 24-hour period. I say until that point because things got even worse Thursday when just over 4,000 people died. Again, this was in a single day. Here's the nation's top infectious disease expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci, speaking about how grave the situation is right now.
1: We believe things will get worse as we get into January. Hopefully, if we really accelerate our public health measures during that period of time, we'll be able to blunt that acceleration. But that's going to really require people concentrating very, very intensively on doing the kinds of public health measures that we talk about all the time.
0: And did you hear how long, or should I say how short, that soundbite was from Dr. Fauci? It was 21 seconds. Yesterday in the United States, one American died from COVID-19 every 21 seconds. Let that sink in. December, by the way, was the deadliest month of the pandemic. But it's not all bad news. Chicago is ahead of the curve on vaccine distribution, and so far, the more contagious COVID variant that's put the UK into lockdown isn't circulating here in our region. Joining me now with the latest is our regular guest, Dr. Mia Terramina, infectious disease specialist with the DuPage Medical Group. Dr. Taramina, welcome back. Hey, happy new year. Happy new year to you. It's been a while since we've talked and there's so much to catch up on. You know, 3,600, 3,900, 4,000, I, I could go on. The daily U.S., Death count is is ticking up really quickly this week. What do you make of these numbers, Doctor? Do you expect that this trend is going to continue?
2: You know, it's it's such an unfavorable trend, but unfortunately, it is the reality of, of what we're seeing, you know, locally, what we're seeing across the nation and some of the hardest hit locations. This is uh, the aftermath of the holidays. You know, we have a lot of people that congregated, a lot of people that shared spaces and uh, let down their guard. We have lost patients in our hospitals recently that had been admitted since Thanksgiving. So it's it's one of those things where uh, I expect the numbers to come up because we are just now seeing people congregated over the holidays getting sicker getting really sick and getting hospitalized and we can only hope that we can turn around their course and, and get paid to recover
0: yeah we mentioned december being the deadliest month in the u.s so far january seems on track to be even worse what do you think about where we're at right now
2: you know, we have had over a million cases of coronavirus in the state of Illinois since the onset of this pandemic. We knew when we saw this surge that we would see this surge last, uh, you know, January into February. And we can only hope that the rollout of vaccine starts show itself in our communities and get these numbers to roll down a, a little bit better. I, I, we are seeing a, a statewide rolling positive rate that is coming down somewhat from where it had peaked. Um, so hopefully we can continue on this trend, but we are still, you know, we might not be back half the mountain, but we're still uh, on the top of the mountain in many ways.
0: We had on Wednesday in in Washington, D.C., perhaps, one of the biggest public gatherings that the country's seen since election day. Tens of thousands of pro-Trump demonstrators, several thousand of whom stormed the Capitol. Now in the summer, we had big protests over racial injustice and police violence, but most of those protesters back then, they were masked. These ones were Trump supporters, most not wearing masks. Was this a potential super spreader event?
2: You know, all politics aside, any time that we're in close proximity to others unmasked, this is going to present a risk. The vast majority of people during the the summer demonstration were masked, and we did not see super spreader instances happening from those events. So it remains to be seen if we do um, start to see uh, an aftermath of of testing positive after these gatherings that we saw on Wednesday. Let's take some calls,
0: Dr. Termina. We've got some folks. Anxious to chat with you, Bob has been waiting. He's calling from the western suburbs. Hi, Bob.
3: Well, it's my understanding that throughout the state of Illinois, in other counties, for example, um, places like Hoopston, which is a city in, in in Kendall County, the dissemination of the vaccine has already gone into groups that are characterized as one B. Yet, when you talk to public officials in the in the counties surrounding the Struggleland area or Chicago, they're anticipating not to get done with one A for another two. Uh, possibly even three months. I mean, it, the discrepancy is wild.
2: And Bob, thank you for your commentary. Uh, no one, I, I swear, wants to move to one B faster than than I do. Uh, I can't wait until we get the green light. We are definitely uh, encouraged to and practicing the um, uh, the recommendation of the and our county health departments as to when we can roll down to 1B. Uh, All the meetings, all the discussions have really stated with an abundance of emphasis, please do not roll down to 1B until we all roll down to 1B. It's something that becomes haphazard in this rollout. Now, that being said, we need to... Healthcare providers that are, uh, you know, eligible for vaccine, vaccinated. There's still a bit of disconnect where those who are eligible don't know where to go to get vaccine and certain county entities that are just dis- vaccine are running out of supplies. We just are waiting for the next phase so we can move forward. I I understand in one breath where, yes, it'll take many months to fully vaccinate all of 1A, because that includes our nursing homes and whatnot, uh, and getting all of those folks vaccinated. I think we're closer. Um, my, My hope, and again, I don't have inside information is in the coming weeks uh, by the end of the month would be wonderful especially as we have ongoing conversations about getting our kids back to school especially in Chicago public schools. I, I cannot see why we wouldn't want to time that so we can get the vaccine and help them return to school safely.
0: Thanks Dr. Termina. Let's jump to another caller here. We've got Ann on the line. She's calling from North Center. Hi
1: Ann. My question is if this um new strain of the virus comes you know it's kind of crouching at our borders if it um comes into the country should we be thinking now about what extra protections we need like should we we be wearing face shields to the grocery store wearing gloves is there something extra that we should be doing if and when this comes
2: uh, thanks for your question, Anne. There's, there's a couple things to note here. This, uh, this strain of coronavirus um, is a mutation that has several mutations that occurred at once. We are looking at a uh, entire genetic code for this virus that's over 30,000 base pairs, and there have actually been thousands of mutations along the way, a base pair here, a base pair there. This particular mutation this particular had 17 mutations that occurred all at once why it raised eyebrows. So it's still relatively um, small variation from the wild type. That being said, things become a dominant strain in community when they are able to spread more efficiently. While it spreads very efficiently, it does not appear to be something that has caused more morbidity and mortality. The standard uh, that we have with with mask wearing and social distancing needs to simply continue it's still a coronavirus and it still spreads similarly uh it's more contagious because of the fact that it hasn't been circulating in most communities but i anticipate it absolutely will continue to spread and we will see pockets of spreader events with this particular strain in states as as time moves on
0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. And if you're just joining us and you have questions about COVID-19, well, you've come to the right place. It's our weekly Q&A with infectious disease specialist, Dr. Mia Taramina from the DuPage Medical Group. And it's a chance to have your COVID questions answered right here, live on Reset. Dr. Taramina, let's go back to the phones. We've got Mary on the line in North Shore. Hi, Mary. Hi, uh, I'm 79. My husband
4: is 80. And we heard that people from 75 beyond who uh, would, would get first, get in the first group. We haven't heard a word. We don't even have any idea where or when or how we would get the vaccine. Our doctor doesn't expect to have it. They don't say anything about the drugstores. Um, and my husband has heart disease, Parkinson's, di- diabetes, and he really needs to be protected. What, what do we do?
3: Dr. T. Mary, thank you for your call. You know, I want to point out that, that Governor Pritzker did announce yesterday that when we go to Tier 1B, again, hopefully as soon as possible, we are actually going to be going to age 65 and up. Uh, it was 75 and up, but we are, are going to be offering the next round of vaccines to age 65 and up. Mary, the first round, Tier 1A, is for healthcare workers and folks in nursing homes. So while 75 and up is definitely at the top of the list, it actually falls into Tier 1B. So that's going to be the very next Folks, wherever your healthcare system is, if you have an electronic medical record, a MyChart or similar, make sure you have it activated. Most hospital systems, private practice systems are going to be disseminating information about vaccine availability and your opportunity to sign up in one of those avenues. If you do not have that sort of access, I would encourage you to reach out to to commercial pharmacies like CVS, Walgreens, even Jewel Osco pharmacies, where their websites have signups for information when that vaccine becomes available to you. Similarly, uh, health departments uh, also will likely have sign-ups or enrollment when your tier comes up so you can sign up for an appointment slot. But stay tuned. You haven't missed out yet at this point, technically, unless you are a resident of a nursing home at this point uh, or a health care provider or professional. Uh, your ticket has not come up yet, but hopefully very soon.
0: Thanks for your question, Mary. We've got Laura on the line. Laura is in Norwood.
5: Hi, Laura. Hi, how are you? Thank you for taking my call. Doing well. Uh, first, I want I wanna compliment you, Doctor, on what you've done in DuPage County. I have dental hygiene colleagues in your area that have received their vaccine. Um in Chicago and Cook County, we have a lack of information for healthcare workers. Dental hygienists are listed as one a is um healthcare providers in dental offices. I've been working since June. Um my professional association, the Illinois Dental Hygienists Association, provided me information about Loyola, was offering the vaccine. That's the only information I've received from anywhere. I've called Cook County. I've contacted North Shore Connect, who is my doctor, in December asking to be put on a list, and I've received nothing from them. So can you coordinate with Chicago or Cook County on how great you did your distribution of vaccines and how you were able to get private practice dental office personnel um, the vaccine? Because it seems that North Shore will provide it for office workers in the the North Shore system, but they're not looking out for healthcare workers who work in private practices. So, if you can provide any guidance. Thanks
0: so, for your call, Laura. Let's, let's let the doctor get in there and, and get you a response.
3: Laura, I feel for you. This is the exact issue. We have so many unaffiliated practices that absolutely qualify in 1A, and I completely agree that you qualify for vaccine. You should be vaccinated today, and there's this disconnect as to where and how you can get vaccine. Um, I I have to. I certainly am not a one-man show. I have a tremendous organization that that I am employed by that has been uh, gearing up for this uh, effort since the very beginning, so that's part of the reason why DuPage Medical Group uh, has been uh, on the forefront in DuPage County of vaccine distribution, especially to our healthcare providers due to a coordinated effort from from day one. And um, certainly if you happen to have a provider at DuPage Medical Group and you are a healthcare worker, you should be reaching out to your provider because you are eligible for vaccine. Um, I would love to uh, have uh, all of the counties uh, speaking about where we can coordinate distribution better because part of the reason why we can't get to the tier 1B is because the numbers suggest that we have. Have many 1A individuals that have yet to receive vaccine. That's not for lack of want; it's for lack of connecting the dots from point A to point B. Certainly, that's at a, a much higher echelon than than one person. But I, I absolutely uh, echo your concerns, and this needs to be uh, something that's addressed in the in the next week or two. Well,
0: Dr. Termina, as we've mentioned, the the governor. Spoke on Wednesday, gave his first COVID-19 briefing for the new year and mentioned that after healthcare workers and elderly people in long-term care facilities are, are vaccinated, he wants people over 65 to receive vaccines as well. He also said teachers are among the frontline essential workers who could be part of Phase 1B, and he suggested that they could start getting vaccinated in weeks. You've been arguing all along that opening schools should be a priority, and this seems like a welcome development, but the, the question on a lot of people's minds, will there be enough vaccine to go
3: around? At this point, I think there is enough vaccine. Um, it might not be for every single person, but I, I completely agree that our, our elderly community and our frontline essential workers and our teachers need to be at the very top of the, of the list. I personally feel that uh, teachers are uh, a unique scenario because we have dealt with the struggles of virtual and hybrid learning for, you know, almost a year now since March of uh, 2020. So we've got to get these teachers back to school. We've got to get these students back to school. And it's my opinion Um, many states uh, have already started prioritizing teachers and began vaccinating them on the fourth many more are vaccinating their teachers starting on the 11th i want illinois to uh, accelerate their efforts and fall into step especially as we have some angst uh, from the chicago teachers union and from some suburban uh, teachers councils and teachers unions I i think that this will help alleviate some of that angst uh, to give that extra layer of protection. Uh, There's no guarantees with any vaccine, but this is the critical step we need in order to get these kids back to school safely.
0: Something else he said was that some regions in Illinois could move out of tier three mitigation in a matter of just weeks. Now that could mean we'd see limited indoor dining again and some other businesses as well being able to open up to more customers.
3: Does that seem wise to you? No, it all depends on how the the numbers are looking. If we can get more people vaccinated, we're going to start to inch towards that, that level of herd immunity in uh, in our communities, and we should be able to have that limited indoor dining and other things. We, in my opinion, I think that many indoor spaces can be reopened safely with proper uh, mitigation, including proper spacing and proper ventilation and and things like that. So do I think we should open restaurants and bars full open, no masks, everyone back in the doors? I think we're a long way off from that. But Mm -hmm. to the extent that we can start gently rolling into uh, these tiers as we roll out vaccine, I think that is what we're going to see in the coming weeks.
0: Well, something you mentioned earlier was that even some of those who are eligible don't know where to go to get the vaccine but one question that we were kicking around here uh, on the reset team in a recent meeting and and none of us seem to actually know the full answer it was how is the average person who is not in phase 1a or phase 1b how are they going to find out when it's their turn for the vaccine is it going to be employer-based is your doctor going to notify you will the governor say the vaccine's now available to everyone and then it's up to us to go and head to a pharmacy like what do we know about that
3: So I think that um, for for those especially with medical comorbidities, again, make sure that if you have a physician who is affiliated with a a large hospital network or is affiliated with a um, a large private practice like our uh, medical group, that your MyChart or electronic medical record communication is active. That's going to be the primary way that things are distributed. Because of electronic medical records, we have the ability to literally pool data and individuals. I can say, um, you know, to our Epic computer system, please give me every name of every person who's 65 and up. And I can individually send out a blast message through my chart in order to reach those individuals. So look for communication in that way. There are also ways to sign up for text alerts, um, you know, with certain uh, healthcare care organizations. So that's another possibility too. By the time we get to the spring and hopefully are in a much better place with access to vaccine, this is when the commercial pharmacies are going to kind of take the lead, the CVS, the Walgreens, some other uh, smaller commercial pharmacies where you will be able to have the information as to where you need to go when you are part of the general population and it's your turn.
0: Let's hear now from Reva. Reva's calling us from Edgewater. Hi, Reva.
1: Hi, thanks for taking my call. I'm calling because I'm part of the disability community here in Chicago and uh, nationally. And when COVID first hit, we were all told that we had to lock ourselves away, that health care was going to depend on whether um, they considered us having quality of life, that we were pretty much on our own And now that there's a vaccine, I don't see any discussion whatsoever of where we fall in the planning. A lot of us don't live in uh, congregate housing. A lot of us are younger than 65 or 75. And yet so many of us have the most extreme comorbidities or vulnerabilities to getting this. I certainly do. And I'm tired of being angry and feeling like, you know, when yeah. when is the fact that we're completely at the mar- oh well I'm babbling now you
0: get yeah. me. we 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 understand your question. Well, thank you, Reva. that's an important one, Doctor.
3: I, I certainly uh, feel strongly that that individuals with underlying health conditions, uh, regardless of age, should be ahead of healthy age-matched individuals. And again, it's, it's a, a supply and demand issue. And what we know is that we need to continue to move through these tiers because if you're under 65 but still have significant health issues, you should be next up after that group. So you know, we want to we want to roll this out in a very uh, logical way. Um, there again, are, are when this change of administration happens at the end of the month uh, we all are going to be finding out at the same time how that's going to change the rollout of vaccine and you know with the desire to get 100 million people that's a, a third of the U.S. population almost mm-hmm. you know vaccinated in the first 100 days um, I think that it, with that sort of projection uh, you should get information in the coming weeks to hopefully no more than a couple of months as to when your turn will be um, but yeah I absolutely feel for you and I want vaccines for everybody.
0: Thanks, Doctor. Let's hear now from Paula. She's calling from Lockport. Hi, Paula. Welcome to Reset.
4: Hi. Thank you. Um, okay. So my question doesn't have to do with vaccines, but my 29-year-old daughter tested positive for COVID back in the first week of November. Her only symptom was a scratchy throat that she didn't even notice till she saw the positive result, and she, she has no other health issues. The middle of December, she started having migraine symptoms, light like sensitivity, eye pain, headache, with no history of any kind of headaches. She's, this has been going on pretty much constantly since the middle of November. She's been to urgent care. She went to an optometrist. The clinic wouldn't give her an appointment to see the ophthalmologist. She's been to her PCP, who has now given her migraine medications and has recommended she see an ophthalmologist. My question is, are there indications of these types of things cropping up after an essentially asymptomatic COVID illness?
3: That is a wonderful question. And, you know, we are still just, beginning to learn the depth of the morbidity, not the mortality of this virus, where individuals who are otherwise healthy and seem to recover fully uh, may have sequelae of this infection weeks to months later. Um, I cannot say that this is not related. I I have to presume that someone who's otherwise healthy and had no issues prior to an assault on their immune system, um, you know, causing potentially an aftermath uh, in different forms of inflammation and other unchecked uh, immune responses in the body we know from other viruses that people can have post viral Syndromes that last for weeks to months, and we're only beginning to learn how much of an impact uh, coronavirus is going to have on people moving forward that seemingly recover and actually have some issues that crop up later on. There's no treatment per se, other than treating those symptoms and managing those symptoms, but uh, we are only now beginning to learn, and and certainly we will hear of others like your daughter, unfortunately.
0: Thanks, Doctor. Before we wrap, I want to get your advice on on what we should all be doing to stay safe. And to keep other people safe right now. Masks, they're a must,
3: right? they're a must. Uh, We're not even even for those who are lucky enough to have had their first and or both vaccines like myself. um, My mask is still on at all times, indoors and outdoors and around my colleagues who have been vaccinated as well. Uh, We have to continue this mask wearing. We don't want to be spreading this virus uh, more so than we can. We are in all probability going to have variant strains that crop up in our communities, including the strains that have hit the headlines. So they will be here. It's only a matter of time. Please postpone non-essential travel. We are so close to being able to, you know, congregate more and get vaccine rolled out and be able to have perhaps a summer or fall where we can have some travel that we have all, you know, wanted But at this point, uh, I just don't see a need for non-essential travel and and going on vacations and things like that. And congregating, especially in those warm places where the numbers are skyrocketing. So limit uh, your interactions with other people. Try to not interact indoors with people from households outside of your own. Maintain that social distancing. um, And and we're going to slowly but surely get there.
0: That's Dr. Mia Taramina, infectious disease specialist, with the DuPage Medical Group. Dr. Tamina, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us. Take care. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Stay up to date on coronavirus impacts in our region. News roundups every Friday with the city's best reporters. The latest from Chicago every weekday on our podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.